Mortgage Investors Group would like to celebrate our country's independence by thanking all of our military veterans and those who are currently serving our country. We understand and are so grateful for the sacrifices you have made for our freedom. MIG would also like to honor the memory of those who have died defending our nation and their families who have given so much for her defense. Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome in to the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm here with our executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith. And he wears many more hats than that, but that's the two that he wears on this show. At this time. At this time. And we want to thank you all for coming in uh, to the Housing Hour, starting your weekend off with us. And I'm so excited about our series that we are doing here. And why don't you, Mark... um, even though I came up with the name of the series. No, I'm kidding. Mark has uh, set up a really wonderful tribute, honestly, to the American soldier and their families. And it is in the month of June, July, kind of the time period where we celebrate this. And we want to honor those who came from um, the greatest generation. So why don't you set it up? The greatest generation. And, um, you know, my parents were part of that generation, World War II we're talking about. And uh, and my father-in-law, who resides at Echo Ridge Retirement Community in West Knoxville, Mm -hmm. which is a fantastic uh, group of people. Mm -hmm. And it just dawned on me when I was walking through and he's introducing me to all these wonderful people that he's, he's in the community with, that they're all World War II folks. Mm-hmm. Most of them, mm-hmm. and they're in great shape. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just, I mean, there's something about this generation, Kevin. I don't know if it's the water they had was better <laughs> back then. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but yeah. they're all in great shape. Um, very, uh, just a, a special group. So that's where we came up with Echo Ridge. So we called the series Echoes of, from the Greatest Generation. So we've been taking them out. We did part one last week, mm-hmm. uh, or part two last week, and part one the week before that. It's all loaded up on the Treasure Trove of Information, the housinghour.com. Comments right. all there. There, that's you said it perfectly. And um, the the interview that that I felt that was probably because of the news of his passing mm-hmm. um, was Don. Uh, Bill Lane. Bill Lane. Bill Lane. And Bill had an incredible story. The yeah. story that he told about being at Jack Dempsey's bar, bar in New, New York. York City and then being whisked away that next day. And just the whole story of how he was then behind enemy lines. His glider had went down. I mean, it, it's incredible. just incredible. It's incredible because these guys, and, and we were talking to our guests that are going to be mm-hmm. on here in just a moment. Um, I was talking to them before the show started, and it's just the, these 18-year-old kids coming out of high school, and all of a sudden they're in a different part of their life in New York. Some mm-hmm. of them probably never got out of small-town USA, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're in a big city getting ready to be transported out. And the next day, they end up on a battlefield. Right. Right. What in the world? I mean, yeah. how, how can you? How, how do you? And he was that? hungover, even. Yeah, he was <laughs> from Jack Dempsey's bar. Yeah. He was, and uh, I think he he slept through a tank brigade. Yeah, came rolling through, and he he was still sleeping. As yeah, he had wrapped himself up in the parachute, and yeah. had had wrapped himself up and slept through the the tanks overhead. Oh man, it's just amazing stories, and and we're just thankful. And so today we have two, um, and this this 
part of the three-part yeah. series is the home front because what we need to understand, and this is happening even today, but back when our young men and women were going into harm's way, mostly men, um, there was also the home front that needed to be cared for and taken care of, and the children needed to be still raised, and they still had stuff going on. They still had school. They still had homework. They still had things to take care of back here while our brave men were out fighting the war. But they also had to uh, work the factories. They had to build yeah. the machinery. They had to help out wherever it could for the war effort and, mm-hmm. and ration. And, and there's so many things that were occurring on the home front that was vital to the survival of our soldiers on the front line. Right. It's referred to as the home front. And mm-hmm. in any war, we have a home front. Um, mm-hmm. We're just focusing in on World War II because it's the greatest generation. Right, exactly. And so certainly that is something that we want to highlight in this series. And we have today with us two people, two very nice women from Echo Ridge, right? right? And we have Betty Newby and Elsie Gilliford. Gilford. Gilford. Well, first of all, ladies, thank you so much for agreeing to come in and participate in this series. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Let's start here. Um, if you don't mind, Elsie, if you can just take a moment, um, and, and we'll give you as much time as you want, but it's not really a question, more of just introducing yourself, and, and tell me and share with us some of your thoughts about what happened during that, that time period of your life where you had someone that was in the military, and you experienced all that, that happened during that time frame. I mean, if I think about you know, Pearl Harbor, and then you have that huge event in American history, and then you have obviously World War II. Um, can you just share with us your thoughts about that time period of your life? Uh, yes, at that time, uh, my husband, then not my husband, but Howard and I were engaged, didn't plan mm. to be married for a while, but along came Pearl Harbor. Mm. We decided to get married before he went into service, so we loped to Las Vegas. <laughs> wow. And we were married a year before he finally went into service. We both worked at Douglas Aircraft. Mm. Uh, he was a mechanic. I was what they call a stock chaser, getting all the parts from one department to another that needed to be done, to needed to be worked on to finish a certain contract. Then my husband went into service in um, January of 43, Mm. and um, I followed him in May of 43, and then I was able to travel with him on and off the next three years. He remained in the United States. He was an instructor at air bases, instructing all the pilots on the instruments on the airplanes. And you had friends and family, certainly. You had friends, most certainly, of young men who did, in fact, go overseas. Yes. And you had, I'm sure, some uh, friends who, sp- spouses, that, that you probably, on a daily basis, interacted with. So you understood what was happening. All my friends had husbands or boyfriends in the service at that time. <laughs> and what was there, you know, when I think back on that, I mean, I have no idea how it felt. Because even today, you think there's no draft. You know, we did, when 9-11 happened, you know, people certainly said, hey, I'll go. And that definitely happened at Pearl Harbor, um, as was our last week's show. I think we mentioned that. But just share with me, I mean, what was the overall feeling about what we were doing? Was there camaraderie? 
yes, everyone was 100% behind the air behind the war effort. I don't remember of any complaining, even with the um, rationing. When you'd go to the store and the shelves were bare, hmm. you couldn't get what you needed. But everyone was pushing 100% to buy war bonds, do whatever they could do. Yeah, the, the war bonds, because it, it was a huge financial obligation for the United States to spend so much money. And one of the things, I guess, that was brought forward as a possible offset for, for the cost was the war bonds. And, you know, you think and you hear just turn on the news one time and there is so many people pulling, it seems at least from the outside looking in, it seems like everybody's pulling against one another when it comes to, are we going to send troops here? Are we going to go to Afghan? Are we going to send oh. more troops to, to Iraq? So... Back then, you're saying it was one goal, one mission, mm -hmm. and the, the rationing. And tell, talk to me about that, and then I'm going to bring Betty in in just a moment. But talk to me, Elsie, about the rationing. Because kids today, and we have a lot of people listening to this show. We have uh, quite a, a cross of, of demographic. But, I mean, kids wouldn't know what to do with that nowadays. You're telling me I can only get half a tank of gas? How was that? What, tell me about what you had to ration. Well, everyone was issued a book, and a, a certain color stamps were good for a week. It was a red stamp for meat. There was other stamps, sugar was ration even shoes you couldn't buy a pair of shoes without um, a ration ticket um, and then later on I was in Alabama and I worked at the OPA office of price administration which is the rationing board hmm. and at that time tires were rationed and I was the chief tire clerk that um, it was my signature on the on a certificate that enabled people to buy tires and you couldn't buy a tire without a certificate. Now let me bring Mark in here for a moment. Um, Mark, why, what, what was the point of rationing? I'm just curious. I mean, I think I know, but could you explain? Well, I guess all the resources were put forth to the war effort. So mm -hmm. whether the tires for uh, the Jeeps or, and, uh, you know, whatever rubber was needed on, on the war front, mm -hmm. metals, uh, munitions, um, you know, some of the grease from the bacon and things that were saved uh, from from you guys were used in making gunpowder and things like you would never think of, of all. Oh, so no, all my, of that some was of my wife's <laughs> meals could probably take some people down. I probably no, I'm kidding. Well, I'm kidding. just just the thought of rationing well, shoes would eliminate my daughter's effort. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, Elsie, so because you, you were obviously instrumental. You were a leader. You were a decision maker. You, you weren't maybe the stereotypical, you know, what people would think of as you were certainly not someone staying at home. You were working and you were on the front line of the home front, so to speak. And that's what you did. Your signature was on the certificate. I mean, so you, you were a leader in the community and how did that feel to be a leader who you had to really, I'm sure be a friend to these people that have had spouses overseas. How did that feel? Yes. Well, we were in this little, um, office the opa and upstairs was the red cross office and i used to see soldiers coming in with uh maybe families and children and no place to live or no place to stay overnight or no money for gas and he had to get to his next assignment and um, the red cross would step in and help at that time but um just just the just the effort that everyone went through i didn't hear any complaints about mm. rationing um just Let's get in there and get it over with. And Elsie, how old were you? 
19. See, right. this is wow. the this is the incredible thing. Uh, all these folks they talk about there's no there you know there's no uh everybody's pitching together and all this but they're 18 and 19 year olds. Right. They doing had to grow these up jobs. fast. They had to grow up fast. Yeah, so do you feel like you missed a part of uh young adult ch- uh, life? No, I wouldn't have changed anything. <laughs> Did you yes, still go to the dance clubs and stuff there oh, in yes. Alabama? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure and we did. We were, and we were just, especially Chicago was so welcoming to mm. servicemen. They couldn't, they weren't allowed to pay for anything in Chicago. All the best shows and cabs and, and that was there were some good shows up there. And yes, they just. They just absolutely went out of their way for and, the servicemen. And, and then you fast forward to 2014, you have Walgreens managers kicking out soldiers with, um, uh, there was a story out of some city. He had a, a dog. What do they call it? The service dog? Yeah, service. And they kicked him out of Walgreens. They said he couldn't have a dog in there. It was a, it was a service dog because the guy was a, a wounded veteran. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a, it's a change, I think, in, in how we view everything and specifically the people that are in charge of keeping us free and it, freedom isn't free. In fact, it's not at all. There's a lot of payment that happens and it happens from our brave men and women in the home front. Uh, wives yeah, and, and, and these guys were like I said, 18, 19 year old. And, and most of the time when, when you talk to them, uh, you know, when we talk to Richard Gallagher, mm-hmm. for example, um, the one thing we, you know, he, he emphasized was he was thinking of his girl, you know, mm. you know, leaving yeah, my girl. These right. are 18, just out of high school. What are you thinking about when you're coming out of I was school? going to Ogles Water Park in <laughs> Gallenberg. That's what I was thinking But they were about. leaving, going to a foreign land, uh, Europe or the Pacific Theater, and they were leaving their loved ones behind, but especially the girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's huge. That is huge. Um, and I'm excited because we have a couple of other segments that we're going to do with you all. And, and Betty, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to talk to you and uh, learn more about your story. But I'm just fascinated by it. And, you know, I'd love to also have, you know, at some point my grandmother to come in and, and, and speak to, have to her. us. <laughs> yeah, because she, she has a very same mentality. And, you know, one of the things that I just feel sitting here right now, it just Betty hasn't said a word on air, but just gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's gratitude. You know, you're just thankful. And, and in that, that is being expressed just, just by what you say and the, the looks on your face. And, and for us, for my generation, I'll just say this, that we thank you for everything that you all sacrifice for us and sacrifice for our freedoms and also to help take care of the home front. It's just an amazing story. And so we're going to continue certainly to, to highlight these type of things that have happened in our past because history is so important because if we forget where we came from, we're never going to be able to move forward in a way that we should. And I've always felt that. And that's why we've done, that's why you've done the series that you've done with mortgages and, and Hey, where did we come from and where are we going? I think the history of, of our country is vitally important. Um, and it's actually very interesting as well. Mm -hmm. So I want you guys to know how to plug in with us. Normally I tell you that right off the jump street, but I'll tell you right now, you can go to the housinghour.com and that is the mothership of all of our information. Of course, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Housing Hour, and Twitter, at The Housing Hour. So we'd love for you to be able to plug in with that. Betty, do you guys, um, and Elsie, do you all have a Twitter account? What's your, okay. They, well, it may be. <laughs> they're, they're giggling. Twitter? I do have Facebook. You do oh, have Facebook. Facebook. Okay, this good. This is the Twitter I do, my <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, guys, we'll be right back after these messages.
The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. There we go. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is part three of Echoes from the Greatest Generation, and this has really just been a tremendous series. And Mortgage Investors Group, as important as the American dream is to us, clearly we are celebrating 25 years of American dreams come true. And it's a very important piece of the philosophy of MIG, home loans. And we want to make sure that we understand what that American dream is and how it is that we can have that. I mean, had we not had the things that have happened in our past, the American dream would not be alive. That's what we were fighting for. That's exactly right. Without the sacrifice of all the great men and women uh, through all the wars, not just World War II, Mm -hmm. uh, we wouldn't have this. That's exactly right. And so today, um, in studio with us, we have two uh, women with us that have come from uh, the, the... Echo Valley, what is the name of Echo Ridge. Echo Ridge. Retirement yeah. Community and in West Knoxville. We have Betty Newby and Elsie Guilford. Is that right? All right, I got it right that time. And they have been so, so gracious with their time to come in and spend a few moments with us. And um, in the last segment, we were able to speak with Elsie and learn a little bit about her story. And she's not gone. She's going to come back in a minute. But now we're going to talk to Betty a little bit. And Betty, I'll kind of pose it to you the same way. Um, Take a few moments, and Mark was just sharing off off air a little bit about, you know, you were a little younger when all of this happened, when Pearl Harbor happened and, and mm-hmm. those type of things. And so I think that's a very interesting perspective that you can give us. But talk about what you remember and what your life was like and what you learned from all of this. Well, I was uh, raised by my mom, excuse me, mother mm-hmm. and dad, mm-hmm. but I was adopted, so to speak. By a lady who had 10 children. Wow. And she had four sons in the Navy. And so I I ran around with the older group. I, I had a part of what it was to send the loved ones off. Mm. I was the oldest of three. We lived in South Arkansas. We didn't have any relatives in the service at all. But I quickly adopted those brothers. Mm. And I can remember the gold stars on the window. She had her four gold stars on the window. Mm. And I remembered what those meant. Her sons were all on different aircraft carriers. All four of them were bombed, but all four sons survived the water and was able to come back to her. Wow. I can remember the rest. That gives me chill bump yeah. right oh. there. <laughs> and, and such, oh, it really does. But I can remember the rationing because I like to go on picnics. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't go on a picnic because we didn't have any gas to get out there. Mm-hmm. We could have walked. But in South Arkansas, there's a lot of sand to walk in down there. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> armadillos, too. you got to watch oh, out. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Now it's deer country, so look out for the deers. Yeah. So you, so. so you basically were adopted, essentially, not maybe officially, but by this family who had four young soldiers. Sailors. Sailors. Uh-huh. And and they went off, and they had other children, obviously, as well. Oh, yes, and were you friends mm-hmm. with those? Were you oh, yeah. s- same was, age? Yeah. I was the baby's sister all that whole bunch, though. Oh, okay. That's well, that came in. Now, now, how did they view And that's a very interesting piece of information. How did the siblings look at this? I mean, here you have four of your siblings that are no longer, the stars are there, but they are not physically with us. 
for the time being. Mm-hmm. H- how did it, that affect the family? The oldest son, because uh, their dad was dead, mm-hmm. but the oldest son took hold, and, and he really, he was the, the backbone. Mm-hmm. And all of them were so close. I understand big families are closer, and they were, and me. Wow. I was the oldest of three, but they were so close. Wow. And uh, it was it was a neat thing to be. Now, rationing, when you you spoke about the gas being a part of that and that you mm-hmm. like to go on picnics and stuff, um, certainly for a family that size, it, it you had to have somebody oh, that yeah. was organized <laughs> that could control this because people had to be to places and mm-hmm. you only had so much gas and you had to be efficient, right? But everybody worked together. <clears throat> everybody was just so convenient and loved each other there was a lot of love back in there mm, yeah and, uh, now when pearl harbor <clears throat> happened how old were you 12 12 do you remember that day oh i do <laughs> we were on a picnic so to speak we wow. really were on a picnic and you were in arkansas uh, south arkansas so how did you learn of the news uh not until we got back in from our picnic right you didn't have an iphone to get breaking news or anything oh no my dear there no. wasn't even a cell phone if you want to say. right anyway we but heard, you it heard on on the radio the radio mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now do you recall what you felt when you because i'm sure i mean at 12 you certainly understand things i'm just trying to put myself in a 12 yeah. year old's mind mm-hmm. um did someone have to explain to you what this meant or did you mm, understand not really because i was spending 12 13 14 15 years of my life with this older group, oh, okay. and so I learned, like they did. Right, and and so what what was the feeling that you felt? Was it fear? Did you have fear? Just a strange feeling. Yeah. Like, what will really happen? Right, because we have been attacked. And so you're hearing that there is because you don't. I mean, Hawaii as a twelve year old, I don't think we realize how far away that is. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it is America, obviously, but there would have probably been for me at least some fear associated with that. So you felt maybe a strange feeling, maybe it was fear, just the unknown, I the guess. Unknown. Right. <clears throat> what are we going to do now? What happens? Did you guys just stick right by the radio for like that whole day? I don't think so. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure some people some did. Some people did, but I, I don't recall well, sticking by yeah. the radio all that day. My kids would have been back in the playroom <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> doing something after they heard. Because I think of 9-11 and September 11th, and I certainly remember where I was. And that, for a lot of people, is that moment that they felt the strange feeling. And so I can only equate the feeling that I felt on 9-11 to what may have went through your mind, you know, back, you know, when Pearl Harbor happened. Mm -hmm. So what was the, did you see that movement where people started saying, hey, I want to go defend my country? Oh, yeah. You know, so how did did that look? We were, and the tanks and and all the troops would be coming through Little Rock, Arkansas, down through South Arkansas, on their way to wherever, Louisiana, mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, it, it was it was the war there, yeah. it, it looked like. But uh, it was just a strange feeling. Yeah. And everything was being, at a certain point, um, Every all the, everything was being retooled in our manufacturing to crank out the war machine and the war effort. How did that impact your all's life when you started seeing things you know women were going to work uh putting on welders i mean i see posters kevin mm. of, of women were wearing the uh the shields of the welders mask and things like that what was that like when you start seeing all these women get into the workforce well it, we were in the oil fields down there and we were a small town of twenty-two thousand. 
So we didn't have anything immediate there, but the girls and the older women were leaving for the middle of Arkansas and trying to find where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a matter of people wanting to see where they could fit in. Right. And today, maybe, and I don't want to throw our millennials under the bus, but maybe it's not quite as, oh, you know, yeah. volunteer. I mean, we're in the volunteer state. And I just learned, actually, that Elsie came from California. So welcome yes. to the volunteer state. <laughs> but um, is that kind of like, you, do you have grandkids? or, or? I have great grandkids, too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So you see it firsthand, maybe. And they're great kids. I'm sure that they're wonderful. It's just what they grew up in, right? Do you they see it don't different? realize what what was out there years ago and what mm. people went through. Right. But we were a much closer feeling, as you've already said. Yeah. Well, that's true. Have today. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have Facebook friends, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing, you know, I think people are tending to use Facebook and other social <laughs> media networks as a relationship. And, and like you just mentioned, it's not that close knit feeling. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think another thing, too, as you grew up, because, I mean, you were 12 during Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. So I matured faster with my older bunch. I was going to say, <laughs> as you grew up, that really shaped that yes, whole philosophy into the woman that you became and are today, right? I think so, yes. Yeah, um, uh-huh. yeah because you, uh, you from 12, you turned 16 and the war was still going, <laughs> yeah. or l- yeah. maybe toward the end. But 16, you're ready to drive, get a car. But those type of things weren't really available to everyone. Oh, no, no, my, uh-uh, I couldn't. And lie. I can't imagine tra- telling my teenagers, you're, you don't get a car. I mean, they expect yeah. a car. Well, I, and I remember, Mark, and this is a little bit later in the 40s, I suppose. I'm not sure when the Cuban Missile Crisis occurred, actually. <laughs> 63. 63. Okay, so. 62. Was, but I was just thinking about what that was like, because my mom tells me even to today how they were on high alert and they mm-hmm. had a store a, a bomb shelter and all of that mm-hmm. um and those are definitely things that i would be interested in hearing about um first let me i want to turn my attention to elsie for just a moment um do you remember where you were when you heard about pearl harbor yes i had howard and i had been out on a date the night before and um the next morning um i was out in our in our um garden with some friends and uh friend of my brother's drove up and just pulled up and yelled out the window, Pearl Harbor's been bombed. Well, everybody looked around and a lot of people said, where's Pearl Harbor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Howard came over and said, you know what this means? And I said, what? You know, he said, war. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I had never really made the connection. And I was in business college. And the next day, while we were in school, we heard Roosevelt's speech declaring war, and then I guess that's the first time I really realized how serious it was. Twenty four hours later, before so you were it sunk like in. what 18, 18. 18 years old, mm-hmm. and you were in college, mm-hmm. and that's amazing. That's really amazing. And what mm-hmm. do you recall? What you felt? What emotions did you feel when it all kind of came together for you? Well, uh, my emotions were: I had a brother of this of the age that would have to go. And, of course, Howard, my fiancé, I knew he would have to go. And um, I just uh, wondered what was going to happen next, you know. Were you angry? (laughs) No, I think probably I was frightened. Frightened. Because uh, I lived in Santa Monica right on the coast. Mm -hmm. And I can remember uh, one night when there was a lot of gunfire, uh, flash searchlights, and... uh, 
Douglas aircraft was under attack, and we never heard. They said, you'll never know what really happened till the war is over. And then there was a submarine off the coast of Santa Barbara. <laughs> so that was... Wow, talk about chill bumps. frightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I guess that could have... You never know. That could have been a prelude to something bigger. You just don't know at the time. Yeah, and Elsie, uh, you, you told me about the driving patterns and how you had to keep your car lit. Tell yes, everybody uh, about that. When, because we were right on the coast and the threat of submarines, uh, if we were driving a car, all we could have was our parking lights. You could not have high, you couldn't have your high beams. You wow. were driving with parking lots and you didn't turn on your high beams till you got two miles further east away from the coast. Oh, wow. We had the blackout curtains and the, and the warden that went around the street made sure all your so the reasoning for that was because you could have potentially had some sort of uh, submarine yes. or boat or whatever yes. that was monitoring to see where things were set up. Yeah. Oh, man, that is really interesting. And we just never left the radio. That was our only news. We were <laughs> right. far from the radio at all times. Well, and that's kind of an interesting difference because at 12, maybe that's not something that you would have wanted to consistently listen to but at 18 you really wanted to learn hey what's going on i need to know here because here's another thing mark that i find fascinating is that she mentioned that she wasn't angry right i don't know whether or not 9 11 whether mm. the kids were angry i i did amazingly see some of the same stories develop people that were saying i'm in i'm going to go register right now i want to fight for my country so i think and then also you were just wondering what was going to happen next because it's our job to to protect the homeland you know so i think that's interesting that you felt you felt some fear which is normal i think but that you also were ready to See, what do I need to do next? Yeah, and, and one of the things, just as a side note, she keeps mentioning Howard. And I think you just recently lost Howard. How long were you married? 65 years. That's incredible. 65 years. Wow, that is incredible. I'm sorry for your loss, and um, we thank both of you for your service and what you have done for our country. And there's no doubt about that. Um, we were running out of time in this segment, but when we get back, we are going to uh, kind of reset everything and, yeah. and look at things from 30,000 feet, kind of get an overview of what we've talked about, um, maybe share a few more stories together. Um, but this is Echoes of the Greatest Generation on the Housing Hour, brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. 25 years of American dreams come true. We'll be right back. Oh, I believe in yesterday, suddenly. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Thank you all for joining us and um, really appreciate everybody uh, in the interest that has been shown. And I tell you, um, it is a very interesting topic. The Echoes from the Greatest Generation three-part series has been really incredible. I, I loved, I've loved being a part of it. I think it's one of the most incredible things that, that I've ever been a part of. Because um, you can see things on the internet, and you can hear certainly interviews. You can watch movies. Saving Private Ryan is one of my favorite movies of all time. You can see all of those historic perspectives. But it, until you sit across the table from someone who really experienced it and hear from them what type of 
things that they experienced and felt. Before we move on, real quick, I do want to tell you guys who is sponsoring the these segments. Um, we have two sponsors, Prudent Energy Systems, mm-hmm. Scott Higgins, um, and we did an energy audit on my house that's going to be in our series um <laughs> Couple of weeks, yeah. Couple of weeks. We're gonna we're gonna knock that out. Um, but call Scott to get um, maybe if you need an energy assessment of your home, you want to learn about how you can make your home more efficient. Um, we'll be talking a lot more about this, but you can call them at 200-3647. That's 865-200-3647. And also Admiral Title. You can contact them. You've heard us talk about how great we feel Admiral Title is, and they can be reached at 865-531-6060. So um, now that we've reset that, what we wanted to do off air, we were talking to Betty a little bit because Betty is actually, we were talking to Elsie. She was married 65 years, um, and her husband Howard um, just passed recently, and we also have Betty, who has been married 63 years. To a sailor. To a sailor named Richard. Right. And that's incredible, first of all, that being married that long. I've been married now <laughs> 11 years. and I mean, you know. You shouldn't have said it that yeah, way. Well, <laughs> Pam doesn't listen, so that's okay. Um, but why don't you share for us, because Richard wanted to get in, right? Oh, yeah. This was before I met him. Mm-hmm. He was 17, nearly 18, and he really wanted to join the Navy. Mm-hmm. So in Little Rock, Arkansas, he goes by the recruiting station or whatever you called him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't weigh enough. He didn't weigh he, enough. He's a small individual, and he only weighed 108, and you had to weigh 110 to get into the Navy. Oh, man. So he goes back <laughs> for one solid day and night nearly. He ate bananas. He drank milkshakes. He tried every way in the world mm-hmm. so he could get into the Navy. Oh, the recruiting station was upstairs. Mm-hmm. We went out the next morning. He wanted to be first. He had to weigh and then visit the little boy's room. <laughs> <laughs> Did he weigh enough? He weighed enough. He weighed 110 points something. Wow. He was in it was all bananas. And if I had milkshakes. eaten that much, I would have jumped 20 pounds. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. His his little body's probably, you know, the metabolism mm-hmm. just, that's really interesting. Um, so he really wanted to be in he this was. effort. That's mm-hmm. what's that's what's so resounding to me. Mm-hmm. And so where did he, what did he end up doing? Oh, well, right. He went, they sent him to the University of Oklahoma. He mm-hmm. wanted to be in the engineering bunch. There was a bunch of these young kids who wanted to be engineers. So they mm-hmm. sent them over there. Well, he did well for just a little while, and then his eyes went to, had to do a, some kind of an eye test, mm-hmm. and he didn't make the make that one. Mm-hmm. There's grade, no bananas you can eat. There's no bananas, mm, yeah. and his grades wasn't all up, and he right. loved swimming, but the swimming pool they put him through must have been <laughs> traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then he comes, he's washed out, is what he tells me, and yeah. these other guys I talked to, he's washed out. Mm-hmm. Now he's an electrician on a ship. Mm-hmm. And he was in the Philippine area back in there. Wow. And uh, being the engineer on one of them on this uh, hmm, cargo ship. No, I'm supposed to know what ship it's. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, the commander, the captain, called him up in the middle of the night. Or his his buddy did. It takes care of him. His flashlight wouldn't work. So the electrician has to go up to the captain and get the flashlight to work. And Put new batteries takes, in or? He put them in bass backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, that's the captain. That's the captain that put them in wrong. He could command the ship. He could oh. take it out and in ports. 
and he couldn't get the batteries in right. See, everyone had their job. Mm -hmm. I bet you that that captain, although he might have passed maybe the written exam maybe better, (laughs) if you just looked at common sense, just down-to-earth stuff, it was more like the Richards of the world. But I'm still having trouble putting batteries in right. I need to get my younger kid to do that. That is hilarious. That yeah. what an interesting story. That is really funny. Now, Rich, the, another Richard that was mm-hmm. in part one. I, yeah, Richard Gallagher. Yeah, um, talked about being in the Philippines when mm-hmm. the bomb was dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and he spoke to his emotions, mm-hmm. which he was very humble. I mean, just the humility was just exuding from this man. But he spoke about having. He didn't actually. He wasn't there certainly, but post bomb he had to go because they had whatever efforts they were doing um did was Richard he in went that? To, after after the bomb was okay dropped, he was there for a little while and did did he has he spoke to you about i mean you he know, has he, pictures he has some oh. oh and these pictures are so yellowed <laughs> really? and so little but uh, you can still see the damage that was done oh i would uh, love to see those pictures maybe i'll get betty to let me post them if you if you can if we can yeah he's got them he's yeah got them. Mm-hmm. oh wow yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you didn't have digital camera back then, obviously. No. But he <laughs> little t- brownie camera. He maybe. took a he took the pictures and got mm-hmm. he had the roll of film. He kept that with him, brought it All back. This long time, yeah. That's incredible. And when did he have him developed? When he got back? Uh, this was before my time. I didn't meet him. That's until right. <laughs> well, I just on. think it's interesting I because. Him and <laughs> Well, you think about it. If you go to YouTube right this moment and you type in there Iraq War 1991 or 2003 or whatever you want to type in for the wars that we've had, the recent ones, the modern era, you you can see battle battles. You can get mm-hmm. the, the soldiers have their phones. But not then. They're over there videotaping these firefights mm. but for this for what you're talking about mm-hmm. i mean that's like that's history there's there's very few pictures of the aftermath that you can find that real people i mean there was journalists i mean there's certainly yeah. pictures don't get me wrong mm. but people that had real life experiences those pictures that are out there have been filtered through whatever journalism organization these are just fresh i mean yeah. I'll get, that's incredible. I'll, if, if that'll be okay, I'll, I'll I'll post them for everyone to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think but that's incredible. Also, I wanted to ask Elsie something because uh, she had mentioned uh, coming over here. I mentioned Victory Gardens, but she asked me if I ever heard of Victory Letters. Can you explain what yeah, that is? There was um, uh, was called V Mail long before email was even oh. dreamed of. V Mail. It was V Mail. And if you used a, a V-mail, it was a light pale blue, just one sheet that you folded into thirds. And if you used that, there wasn't any postage. If you were writing to a serviceman or if a serviceman was writing back to you. Wow. That is really cool. V-mail. That's so cool. Let me, you just brought something to my, my thought real quick. Let me, that may be dangerous, but you just made me think of something because you talked about the, the four stars being on the window and, and I, I'm sure that, and I, there's a name for the people who come and have to tell the spouse or the family of the soldier, you know, dying in in battle. Do you recall that happening? Did that have to happen often in the town that you lived in? That people? No, we were probably a town of um, maybe fifty thousand, so I didn't know that. But I, mm-hmm. I didn't really realize that was happening until I saw movies, and I saw movies all the time mm-hmm. when they uh, would come. From them. And bring the flag or whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, because I mean, obviously that happened a lot, and mm-hmm. especially during wars. You know, we aren't in. I guess you wouldn't say right now we're in a war. I suppose. I mean, we do have soldiers on the ground in fighting. But do you recall that, Betty? Um, you know, did you do you remember? Um, did you know any soldiers that died? You know, because they were family. Some or? of my adopted brothers and sisters did. Oh, and I was I was not there when the note was delivered. Yeah, but it was there afterwards, and right. that's when you grew up pretty quickly. Oh. Here is a young man, nineteen, and he died in a war mm. for our protection. And those things—they're dying now. I know that, mm-hmm. but people don't seem to realize it as much as as then. But that was the great generation that we had, that I was a part of. I was a little one, but I was there. Wow. And I've met with, when Richard would go once a year to meet with some of his buddies uh, to reminisce over some of the things, I got to meet them. And now there isn't the organization there in Little Rock because nearly all of them are gone. Mm -hmm. We're losing them fast. So I'll hang on to my guy I've had 63 years. Yeah, well, that's great, and we're we're glad that he made it out of there. And I mean, I think that that is a very, very, very good thing to remember because you know we lost a lot of people in in the wars that we've that we fought, and uh, it's obviously for something very important. But sometimes, and I'll just say for myself, I, I forget about mm. the the prices that were paid and and the people that died, and you know, not just World War II, but you talk about you know Vietnam, and you talk about the Korean War, and you you know the the Iraq War One, the Iraq War Two, the Afghanistan. I'm probably forgetting a war or two there. I mean, there's even back to the Civil War. I mean, <laughs> you know, that was for for America. I mean, that that's pretty profound, isn't it, Mark? It is, and you know, it, it, it's just that this generation, um, the thing that everybody had to do, what you all did um, in every coastal town, in every every inner city town, um, came together as a community mm-hmm. together. And women and these other men that didn't, I guess, didn't go to war, they all pitched together. And you had a job to do. You had a job. So let me ask you this, Elsie. I'll ask you this. When you got news of victory in Europe, when that news started filtering through the the towns, what went through your mind at that point? Well, I remember I was back in Santa Monica and my husband was in uh, Lowry Field in Denver. And we got the news that the war was over, and I was planning on to joining him the next month. So I did join him in in Colorado in September, and then he was he got his honorable discharge in January, and to us that was the end of the service. But he was called back in the uh, Korean War and spent uh, another eighteen months in service. Right. And and Betty, do you remember when victory in Europe occurred? What was went through your mind? Well, I was still with my my brothers and sisters. Yeah, and oh, everybody was so excited. We were a little town in South Arkansas, but, but we you really but you knew that there was still this uh, other side, the other side, where my Richard wound up. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they were still heavy, heavy fighting over there. So when the news came that the bomb was dropped and, and things were coming to an end, what went through your mind then? Mm. Terrific. Well, just terrific. Wondering how those people, well, they were people too. Absolutely. And what we had done, but we were saving lives, we understood, in the long run by right. doing that. But yeah, I can remember those too. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, that that's true because there were a lot of lives lost obviously in the two bombs Mm -hmm. ultimately it saved i mean i just was looking on wikipedia the amount of people that perished in all countries in many different european Mm -hmm. countries we're talking millions and millions and millions of people that died in military action but also crimes against humanity you know it's incredible to me that the the kind of the the size of human you know death that occurred in these wars Mm -hmm. and so Yes, that the Nagasaki and Hiroshima, you still have people that maybe do agree with how it happened. It don't, but mm-hmm. hey, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And here's where we are. And and I personally am so thankful for, for everybody that did what they did. And then my Richard was able to use the uh, GI Bill to get mm-hmm. his electrical engineer. Instead of just an engineer, ah. he got his electrical engineer. Then the benefits of being a University of Arkansas. That's right. And they Absolutely. don't just teep, uh, teach how to change batteries. That. No. You, you got much more. <laughs> Well, um, I tell you guys, Elsie and Betty, I want to thank you all so much for coming in and spending this hour with us. It has been my great enjoyment and joy to have you guys on the show. It's been our pleasure. Absolutely. Well, the show is winding down, and we just want to thank you. Uh, Mortgage Investors Group has been in this community, in this state, for 25 years. And it's so important to us for, for everyone to realize the importance of our greatest generation and they're still doing well. And these two women right here that are sitting with us are so spirited and so grateful. And I just hope a little bit of it rubs off on me, honestly. <laughs> um, so we just want to thank you guys. And go find this show on thehousinghour.com. We're going to have this thing posted. We want to get the word out. And we want to share their stories so that we can remember and not forget where we came from. So that when we go forward, we might be able to glean a little bit of the character traits that these women have and others that we've interviewed. So... On behalf of Mortgage Investors Group, the Housing Hour, our sponsors, we want to thank you to the soldier and families. And we'll see you next time right here on the Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.